0: Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by the Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two. So let's start with Andrew Dewing for this week's Market Report. And don't forget, you can always check current market prices on the homepage of our website, doinggrain.co.uk.
1: Market report for week commencing 19th of February 2024. I'll start this week with a thank you to my hundreds of female fans who sent me Valentine's messages. I'm sorry I'm not in the market, girls. But anyway, the grain market. How do we get cheerful about this one? The market is on the continuing downward passage. The question everyone is asking, when does it end, is when is the bottom, bottom picking, and other such phrases. So let's do a little analysis of that and try and get our heads around it. We're really looking for something to end it is going to be, well, there'll be some temporary relief at some point when there's some profit taking, because there is some big money to be made for people who have gone short of it, and they'll be buying it in. They'll spook each other and the market will bounce a bit. Is that the end of it all? No, it isn't. The only thing I can see really changing direction is the new crop weather we've talked about this in the past and we are still in the winter at the moment and it is continuously wet anyway so looking a bit more into who else can influence the market chart types these spotty white faced people who sit in rooms looking at screens all day long there's a lot of activity on that people are calling it there's a support level here and there's a support level there and keep riding roughshod through the middle of all of those. Eventually they will call it correct and then tell everyone they're a they're a guru. But the reality is there are people calling for markets to be have some sort of support 162 in the May Futures, which is the current bid this morning. It hasn't traded yet. The market last night closed at 164. So but I think it's gonna go through that. It feels pretty darned weak this morning at point of recording. I hope it's uh, had a tremendous bounce, but I don't think so. Let's kind of look into short-term versus long-term, facts and probability versus possibility stroke hope, and also try and search out some good news. Okay, well, for, first things first, the futures, well, it's changed since I wrote my little sheet out where I put the prices on. So the futures are currently 181, and I had written down 183, so there you go. Well, here's some good news. The discount of futures, the basis price of X-Farm to futures is less than it was last year. Last year it traded at £15 pounds a tonne. It's probably around about £9 pounds a tonne. So that would put November wheat, X-Farm at £172. So here's a fact. Cost of production, £172 X-Farm for November, assuming nil storage costs, i.e. you've got a shed you've paid for and you've shoved it down and haven't had to blow it because it's kind of kept in reasonable nick anyway and it didn't cut it too hot and all sorts of other things we're making up to make it not cost any money. So for some people, £172 a tonne is a profit. Okay, the highest yielding, most efficient types can do that. So therefore, as a business, you can make a profit at that level. Unpalatable, but a profit. So a consideration for a number of people to think, well, actually, I probably ought to put some away at that level because it guarantees me being worth getting out of bed. So it's a fact cost of production and it's a fact that's what the price is today so if you take the thinking on that the current weather outlook for the crop is actually sort of okay benign i mean it's right it's wet at the moment no one can get on and do anything in february but it's still february march is a much more critical month we're going to go into march with a wet field conditions but the actual fact is it is okay and it looks like it's going to be okay as the days get longer and the ground dries out quicker. And the probability with the forecast that we've got is that everything's going to be fine for production. You have to assume that on the basis of history and what the forecast is. Obviously, the hope stroke possibility is the thing starts going wrong there. But right now, fact and probability wins. In other words, the market is going to come down because the production is not going to be affected. And we are ignoring in the background of, of all of this... In the last few days, production for the world for next year has gone up. Stocks have gone up. You know, it's very bearish news everywhere. But the UK specifically, let's look at facts and probabilities versus what you're hoping for. So fact, big stock. Fact, Russia holds the cards. Unpredictability is in their hands. but They are in control. Basically got the stuff that trades around the world at the lowest price and therefore they are in control of it. That's a fact. And the probabilities they will use that to their advantage. I'm sure Vladimir Putin is delighted with the farmer riots going on around Europe at the moment. It shows massive disquiet. And the longer the price goes down, the more pressure is going to come onto the farming community, which is going to create more and more disquiet, etc. The flip side of that is the possibility, the hope, that he does something to mess the everybody around some more historically in previous years when he's had a bad harvest and announced i'm not exporting anymore and up the market went you know 20 30 percent so it's a blessing and a curse that one so the politic at the moment not going to help you but there is a chance something stupid's going to happen with somebody let's have a think what else can, I, what else can I, i'm trying to grab something to make everyone feel cheerful but I can't. It's a downward moving market and the facts and the probability outweigh your hopes and dreams at the moment. So the market is going to continue down or sideways at best for the time being, and I can't make it any prettier than that. So this is predominantly about wheat as the backbone of everything else. So moving on, milling wheat premiums are 80 quid. They're not going to shrink because there isn't very much milling wheat left. So If you're a million wheat grower and you have stock left over, you can still get well into the 200s for it. So 230, I guess, somewhere around there, which is really good. Oh yeah, that's the point. The prices of feed, I gave you the price of November 172, and you probably make 182 for May the following year. So that's that, and there will be a much smaller wheat crop in the UK this coming season, which is why we've got a premium for new crop against old And we still think the spread between those two markets, 23 crop and 24 crop, will go out to the equivalent of £25 between May and Nov, because there is no point carrying stuff. Uh, We as a business will be, and at the moment we can't sell physical wheat to a consumer at a price that makes any form of sense. So unfortunately we are taking stuff into store, we're going to ram our stores full and we're going to shove a massive tender out in May. So somebody somewhere is going to own it, and we've talked about this, I've tried to give people a heads up on it, and I'm not the only person who's going to be doing this, because it is the only market. Whoever the lucky boy is who owns the futures in May is going to write a big checkout, and then he's going to say, All right, do you want to buy it back off me? And in lots of stores, we're going to have to say no. Because we need the space for next year's harvest. So I'm calling this two, three months in advance of your troubles, whoever's listening. Clearly, the futures have people who are short, who can't tender, who've got to buy that in yet. It's a double-edged sword. There is profits to be taken by people we've mentioned. But in the end, somebody somewhere, the greatest pressure is on the guy who has to write the checkout. And the day looms quicker than you ever realise. So that's wheat miserable story feed barley couldn't get much more miserable so it's worth about 130 pounds a ton which is breathtakingly low i can't tell you how i did not expect that one to come maybe a few pennies here and there better than that but largely that's around where we're at oilseed rape stop growing it said this before you're not here to be charitable to americans there is no point all right if it's got to be in your rotation then fine carry on But believe me, some of the firms that just trade all seed rape are desperately trying to persuade you it's a really good idea. And it isn't. It's a stupid idea. You're going to waste your money and you might as well grow flowers and get money from the government. Which is still very much in the background and still very much important when people are thinking there's an enormous spring barley crop coming. Because it isn't going to be as big as everybody thought because people are going to opt for other options especially if it continues to be wet like this now you know march at the moment predicted to be okay but it is wet right the way up to march and the choices for the farmer are sugar beet planting potato planting two very profitable crops for next year versus spring barley and applications of nitrogen and as the price of cereals goes down on new crop so does the application rates of fertilizer and there's probably movement in your pesticide or spray treatments anyway you're always told to spray more than you should but the reality is cost cutting is coming in very very heavily on inputs because bluntly the rewarding price isn't there yeah well so I've pretty well slaughtered the oilseed rape crop and the feed barley crops rubbish and Molting barley he said with an optimistic voice which he shouldn't have used to start with That really is at this precise second in the doldrums, but that commodity has a very long history of being volatile for the reason that the weather is particularly important for germinations and plantings and, you know, heat waves and thin stuff and so on. So it's not something that you steam into selling forward generally. But right now, old crop, less demand, less beer drinking. We need a very hot spring and summer. And we need you lot to drink a lot more beer. Then there'll be a much better time for us malting barley traders and the growers. All right, that's the miserable market report for this week. Two things to mention. This week's farm chat is we've got a haulier in. Dale Watson is a guy who's uh, larger than life and he is uh, funny and he discusses some of the troubles. You know, there are troubles ahead in haulage or the, the road ahead is going to be blocked. So, or more to the point, there's going to be a lot less bulk of lorries around because the volume of work isn't there. So that's the conversation that we're flagging up. We got him in because it needs to be said and it comes from someone else, not us. Another tale of woe. Finally, the podcast walk. Finally come up with somewhere to go. I've decided to go to Reefham which is kind of a nice central place to go. And we're going to walk along the railway track and get lost somewhere around Whitwell or wherever. So the place we're going to park is where the cafe is at the top end of town, which is where Stimson-Pertwee used to be. Anyone old enough to remember that? Anyway, so the What Three Words location is Sings, Galloping, Fruity. And we will be there, or I will be there, at 2pm on the 29th, And if I end up walking as Billy No-Mates again, then so be it. But uh, hopefully, don't be shy, maybe we'll be discussing we've got to the bottom of the market on that day. Anyway, that's where I'm going to be. I look forward to seeing somebody or some people to join me on then. So with that, that, remain cheerful despite it all. Hopefully next week we'll have something more positive to talk about. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please remember... That any decision to trade on this opinion is yours.
0: We want to take a moment to thank all of you for listening and to ask you to help us grow our audience by leaving a rating and review, telling us what you like about our podcast. On Apple Podcasts, you can easily do this by scrolling down our show page, selecting a star rating, and tapping Write a Review.
1: This morning, I've got with me uh, Dale Watson, who is a haulier. Good morning, Dale. Good morning. And I've also got Andy George, our transport man, who is going to uh, make sure I don't miss any questions. Good morning, all. Right. So, Dale, how long have you been in the industry? Talk us through that. So,
2: I come to lorry driving back in oh, about 2007. That was to move my own equipment at the time. Uh huh. What equipment was that then? So, I was a sports ground contractor at the time. Okay. So, it was all low load of work and, okay. and uh, Which sports beta. grounds. Uh, City football club? No, mostly cricket. Oh right. Yeah, I did a lot of cricket all over the country. Okay. Yeah. So what, like test match? Florida? Yeah, just from the test match grounds to the village green. Oh right, okay. Lords, Edge Baston. That's exciting, yeah, isn't it? Worked at yeah, several of them, so No we didn't know that, did we? Before no. we started. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> when were quiet, so um young family at the time, I needed to earn a bit more money, started driving the lorry on Sugar Beet. Yeah. Glorious sugar beet, the old muddy roots. Well, a little bit boring for me. Yeah, go yeah. Here, go there, go here, go there, <laughs> and it got a bit tiresome.
1: Isn't that a bit like that with grain anyway? Yeah, well,
2: with grain you can go from here, tip there, load somewhere different, tip somewhere different. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Tipping. Makes it a little bit more interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, start getting involved with the movement of grain, and yeah, fell in love with it really. The art of bulk haulage is. Okay, as I call which it. there, yeah, I'm
1: sure there is, yeah. Yeah,
2: understanding where you're going, time slots. Who you work for? Yeah, so back then when I started, I was with uh, Goodings Transport. Yeah, started out with those guys and grew it on there. Um, come away from that haulage job for a few years. Mm-hmm. Did bits and pieces for some local firms, weekends and evenings, just to help out, just keep my hand in. Yeah, and then just over two years ago, joined the team at HC Beals. Okay,
1: because Goodings have finished
2: now. Yeah, Goodings have finished. Beals yeah. have effectively taken them over, I yeah, Well, the pool of work, I think, has been spread, what Goodings was doing. But yeah, so I joined the team at HC Beals, which uh, is exciting, because that's not just grain there. We do a lot with the AD plants, Yep, an awful lot. That's the main part of their business. Mm-hmm. And as we touched on before we started, I have a problem saying no. I understand okay. it's very important, but the phone kept ringing, can you move, can you move? and i was like um no No. (laughs) but no no, i can't no so then my brain started wearing there's a lot of small hauliers that were saying to us go you get the work how come you get the work you've got good jobs which made me think do you know what there's an opportunity here to help those guys yeah so i set up as a broker so what i couldn't do as part of my job at hc beals driving their lorry I can you then could then pass on. Pass on
1: the I bike. mean, that's that for me, when someone passes yeah. it on, it's, it's always a fear because you might end up with budget and Scarpa with oh, a yeah. hole in the bag and everybody gets, you're judged, and we're going to come on to this in a yeah. little while by the quality of the haulier you have, mm. how much abuse they can take yeah. before they get rude or punch you. You know, it's one of those things, our business is judged by its service levels, which oh, one of the major yeah. things is yeah. haulage. You know, what the lorry driver does or doesn't do. One of the reasons we've, we've got you on was a conversation you had with Andy, which is about a problem coming. Oh,
2: yes. Do you, do you, do you
1: talk yeah. us through that. So, what,
2: what do you think? Since harvest, you know, we had a pretty good September moving grain. Then it started to peter off a bit. November was pretty dry, I would say. December wasn't too bad. January was okay. But in the back of my mind, I've constantly been thinking, nothing's moving. I, I listen to the podcast regularly, hoping that, Andrew's going to say something good on Monday. <laughs> well, like all but
1: the farmers decide to sell, they want to move it next yeah, week.
2: It's like, oh, hang on a minute, the amount of grain that's out there that needs to be moved, mm-hmm. which would normally be moved from September to July, mm-hmm. over 50% of that hasn't been moved. There's lorries going out of business, haulage firms, not just bulk, but general haulage, they're going out of business. So they are getting less lorries, a smaller window of opportunity... To move what
1: needs to be moved, how? To me, my big fear of that is obviously that everyone sold it to somebody else. And I don't think that's true. I'm not that naive because there clearly is a problem with grain moving. If we hadn't bought it, a, another merchant would have phoned you up and said, can we move it? Yeah. Uh, right, the big guys have their own lorries. But even then, they would have had a surplus to what Definitely. they can do. So. I think it is the grain. I mean, this is a, a separate indicator of how much grain hasn't been sold by yeah. farmers, which is one of the big fears from a marketing perspective of this season, in that if there's suddenly a whole load of grain got to be sold still, then these hideous prices we've got at the moment aren't as hideous as they're going to be, which is a, uh, that's a very naive thought, but that is kind of where my brain goes. But if hauliers are going out of business or just saying, I can't make this pay when it actually gets to a point where we all need them?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's firms are going into receivership across all haulage, not to say, not just bulk, it is across the board, there's people talking about getting out. When the sugar beet finishes, there's going to be... I mean, Andy, your phone's going to ring because people are going to be searching for work. Yeah. So there's going to be more lorries for a period of time. Yeah. But then you've got to spread it out to keep people happy. I mean, it's just... To me, sitting where I'm sitting, finding work for other hauliers, a little bit concerned. You know?
1: OK, let's just ask Andy that question. You must have more phone calls coming in for work than we've actually got at the moment, I guess.
3: Oh, 100%. 100%. The phone rings five, six, seven times a day of people mm. asking for work. It can be the same haulier ringing every single day, every single week. Dale's one of them, not to mention a few others. And you look at it in, in previous times, we've gone yep, we've got this coming up, I can give you these fixings, etc., etc., etc. Unfortunately, at the moment, it's to say, let me see what I can find. Well, it's unusual, I, isn't it? It's very, very in, unusual. In I the sugar hate, I hate saying, I'm like you, I hate saying no to people. I want to keep people working. I want to make sure people can deliver this stuff for us. But when you have to say, let me see what I can find, they go, all right, okay, I'll call you back. And when they do call you back and you don't have anything, you don't feel good.
1: Yeah, so right, the gist of it is clear then. So if the drivers are just, what, just being laid off, or the wagons are being... Yeah. You can't... I mean, what do they do with the wagons? The wagons have to be bulk wagons. I mean, they are what they are, aren't they? Yeah, and you've got all the assurance schemes and everything.
2: Will they be renewed? There's an email that goes round from the AIC every day, and there's more and more which are being taken off. So that's an indicator of what's happening across the country. OK, that comes through the AIC, does yeah. it? Yeah. That doesn't come via the road haulage
1: association
2: no that's for so people that have been task certified okay that are either currently suspended or taken away altogether oh, okay so i would assume by the amount which are not on the list now they've been taken off the list that's
1: people packing up so aic have been you know have they have they been forwarding there's one of the questions actually that we would like to ask is the Digital Grain Passport. Did you get information about that from...? I've sent some emails.
2: From...? From the AIC. But uh, I've put that to one side because at the moment I've got, you know, obviously more important importantly... It's an interesting subject. I've listened to your previous so the podcast. So AIC
1: sent something out saying, like...? It's a newsletter and there was a part in it, yeah. Yeah, and you didn't bother to read it? No. OK. <laughs> So one one <laughs> currently don't see it
2: as being top of my priority list.
1: Well, no, the irony of that is that when you you know run a consultation on something and you sent information out to everybody, technically you've covered your ass, and we've sent everyone out and no one's complained. If no one bothered to read it, it was presented to you in a fashion that was just <laughs> yeah. completely boring and done. If it said you must read this because this is going to yeah. cost you money, you might have read it, mm, might Definitely. You? Yeah, because I mean, basically. You know, Buy all your drivers a, a smartphone or an iPad. Yeah. They're cheap. And get them IT specialists as well to
2: boot. Exactly, yeah. So that's not on my list of priorities. If they press ahead with it. If they press
1: ahead with it. All of those costs ooh, are going to... Yeah. On top of... Yeah, mm. okay. We've got a looming crisis and we've got every way you've got to try and save costs in yeah. the back of your head. Yeah. The age group of the drivers that you work with. So... sort of
2: double bracket really there's a lot of youngsters coming into the industry good yes and no go on what's the no let's pick on the The job's been romanticised. they might get emotionally damaged by
1: there's a lot of
2: that yeah the the job's been romanticized you know big shiny wheels yeah you know and doing this and yeah nights out in the lorry. but when the reality hits and you've got to meet time slots you need to be on farm you've got problems with the traffic you know certain days of the week the roads are just like what is going on too many vehicles vehicles people's attitudes it's always the lorry's fault the lorry's always in the way you combine all of that with the modern person coming into the working career the modern person It's my polite way of putting
1: it (laughs) What's what's a modern person not as
2: hardy as they could be they clutch the wheel and can't reverse. Can be capable drivers, but it's the, the hours involved and dealing with stresses on the road, okay. you know, starts affecting people in different ways, yeah. And that's becoming an issue.
1: I always get told off by the rest of the boys, so they're not in the room. Andy's here, he'll, he'll let me get away with this. So starts affecting people in different ways. So a young person comes yeah. in, starts driving, yeah. And what is it? Just the length of hours, or...? I think it's the
2: combination of lots of little things, which affect Attitude of other drivers. So go throat right from the top, so early mornings. Yeah. Right, so you've got to get out of bed early. Oh, heaven forbid.
1: I'm particularly six, early. Six o'clock, five o'clock, four oh, o'clock? yeah,
2: I'm normally out of bed. The alarm goes off at 25 past three. A lot of the guys sort of say, you're mad. Okay. But I have my reasons for it. i will just like to add to that, you are mad. 25
1: past three. Let's go with what I do. Hang on, what time do you go to bed then? About half eight. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah, that's what we can do. That's seven hours, isn't it? Yeah. So
2: I get up like that because I want to be at the front of the queue. Yeah. Because if I'm at the front of the queue, I've got tipped. Yeah. When I'm heading back to wherever I need to be to reload, mm-hmm. all the other guys are then heading in. Yeah. And then when they've all had their little queue and sat there for however many hours and chewed the fat with everybody to find out what's going on, and then they've tipped and they're on their way, I'm flying in behind them with number two.
1: Over the years, I have known there's the... I won't call them the odd few, because that makes you odd, but the odd <laughs> few, we'll call you, who do that. I've known yeah. guys who are as dedicated as that, and they've worked that out. And the thing is, touch I've been self-employed pretty much
2: all my life, so my train of thought is... If I leave early, even if I've only got one load, Mm -hmm. if I've left and tipped and Andy rings me up in a muddle, I'm gonna be out to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No if I I leave late phone rings, I've got to say the dreaded no. This is one of the major benefits of self employment in the sense you have to work, you have to be available and the difference between being trained in a large organisation I'll use the word corporate because I like that, you can kinda like swing a leg a bit, can't you? you get paid anyway? Oh, they couldn't load. Oh, they broke down. Oh well, I'd <laughs> no, better have another bacon butty. If you've in and out gone, yeah, you're right. It's a motivation to earn money thing, isn't it? Understanding the overheads. It can be a very pressured environment. So, let's get back to this youngster
2: who's gone out, you know, little pedal. Yeah, got, got his license. I've had new drive, lots of new drivers work under me over the years and you ask questions like, "You're a bit sharp on the brakes there. Did they not teach you about reading the road ahead?" No. All right, okay. That's all changed. How you're taught to drive has changed. Okay. Because of the shortage of drivers and then everyone got sent a letter by the government back in 2021, those of you who have registered licenses, will you come back to the industry? Right. Most people didn't, but it was an opening for new people. Yeah. As I say, the main thing is it's been romanticized into something where it's easy, you sit behind the wheel, you're cruising yeah. the highway.
1: What is the romance in it? I don't get that. I'm oh, big,
2: big wheel, big lorry, big rig. Arm out the window. Yogi bar. Yes, the one. There's reality. Hits. Okay. Okay. You know, you're on your own most of the day. You're under pressure to achieve because yeah. of the costs involved with running a wagon. So you've got to have a boss somewhere going
1: for Christ's sake. Get on with it. Get on. Stop. Yes, yeah, we you know need to I? do this. We need to do and, that. And they can all analyze what you're doing. I guess everything's got a tracker on, is, is it? Nowadays? It's getting that way now. Yep. That's not absolutely necessary if you've got trustworthy no. people, but... but From a tracking point of view, oh,
2: you look at that as a benefit from an office of... Yeah, because you can put them right, somewhere. He's that's where AFT they are. Bump. So yeah. when someone rings up and says, Andy rings up says, right, you've got time slot, they've rang up, they want to know where the load is. Hang on, yeah, the lorry's now coming into Barry It'll yeah. be there in 10 minutes. Yeah, I'll let them know. Okay. It makes it smooth. That's the way I see the benefit yeah, no, of a I, I agree
1: with that. Yeah, that makes sense. So the little petal is out there and he's got time. So what is it? The discipline of the time or is it the discipline of the- uh, they, they do it. I think it just,
2: they get tired and <laughs> then emotional. And yeah. I've had stories of people laying over the steering wheel, new drivers, six months in, crying because they
1: can't handle it. Okay. Which is a sad situation. We get that in the office here. Yeah. <laughs> people cry and it's like, what, what are you doing? And they... Sort of- <laughs> They have a little cry, and we just go there, there. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what, what do you, what do you say? I know, I'm this really insensitive old bloke from the seventies. Yeah, I know. I'm like, okay, yeah. it's unusual to be crying in the office. Why do you think you're crying? No, let's have a private chat about it. Pull your socks up. Yeah, <laughs> that's terrible. Everyone has the opportunity to be mentally damaged now, don't they? The label. If you spent a lifetime not having that ticket to play. You kind of get used to not doing it, which is kind of more practical for yourself. If you're going to do that, there is an element of, oh, i got some sympathy, I'm not going to have to do... I might get away with... Well, not the old way increases self-discipline, yeah, because if you haven't got a label to lean back on... We'll get in trouble for this. We will, get, <laughs> we will get in trouble for this. But it's, there is a missing slice of stoicism or something. Backbone is not the right phrase. That's demeaning to the people. It's all too much. No-one wants to have anyone over the top emotionally upset or or whatever's going on in their life there can be reasons beyond their job i get that it's just it seems to be happening a lot more regularly nowadays which means there is a a kind of i'll use that ticket yeah
2: but is it because it's social media is publicizing it more there's a more diverse way of seeing what's going on around us compared to what we had 20, 30 years ago. Is Look, that the reason why we're
1: seeing more of it? I think Paul Gascoigne crying because he was not going to be able to play in the World Cup final if they beat Germany is a justifiable reason to yeah, cry. I do In fact, I think remember I it. actually <laughs> had a tear myself. I think that poor bugger, and yeah. that bloody Franz Beckermann jumped up and got him booked, moaning at the ref. And it was like, you absolute bastard. Yeah, I remember And it. Anyway, so that was a justifiable reason. It seems a lot less than that nowadays. I mean, the World yeah. Cup finals is big enough to be
3: upset about. Let's move on from that before we get Andy will save us. <laughs> Saviour has arrived. No, I'm joking. One question maybe you can actually explain to the wider audience of what problems or the drivers face on a daily basis when they're going out there.
2: Good one, because you know, I'll go home and I'll speak to the missus and I'll say, oh, what's wrong with you? Why are you in such a foul mood? And I don't want to say... It's your cooking rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say because it's. I feel like I'm outside and I shouldn't be, you know. She goes, oh, I was like, oh, today and, <clears> and <throat> this and that has happened and they've done this and the missus will be like, yeah, but it's not that bad. And I'm like, yeah, but when you're driving a lorry, so this is the nitty-gritty bit, when you're driving a lorry and that car pulls out in front of you because they don't want to be stuck behind you i've used my brakes i've now stopped my momentum there's a hill coming yeah. i've now got to drive my lorry i don't know sound like i'm driving anyway but i've now got to do so many more different things yeah to, to do my daily work whereas if they'd have just waited i'd have gone sailing past and the best bit is that car that pulls out in front of you half a mile up the road then turns off again so you would have never have interfered with them no. So that, you know, can be, if it keeps happening. Driving with you in a lorry, people who do things that irritate you. Oh, yeah. you know, I come round the Ring Road this morning to come here for a change of scenery, yeah. rather than the delightful NDR. I'm going back via the
1: NDR. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I drop my daughter off at Wyndham, and I go the old Ring Road just for... I don't know. Bit of a giggle? Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> you know, you try different routes. It's actually sometimes just about works out. I went there on Saturday. to talk about something that wound me up, and I student. this is another thing I'll be bad on. But I drove down the old A11 bit of dual carriageway, the only bit of dual carriageway that was in Norfolk, except for that bit at Scotto, that single track back there, The first dual carriageway in the country. No, anyway, so going out the A11, underneath that bridge, and there was a... Policeman there with his legs astride and his big gun, going, yeah, let's get some drivers, right? So that really, really annoyed me. He looked like you know, Mister Shades on. I was driving within the speed limit, as luck would have it, you know, and as I always do, came up the slip road that comes out from kingford that joins it. There were three squad cars in there, and get up to the roundabout just before you get to the NDR. There was a squad car that had pulled in. So there was. We're talking about teams of two in each squad car. There's definitely four at least, plus this guy who is spending their Saturday morning out on a big speed thing. And this is the same police force that didn't turn up to where well, there are four dead bodies, you know, two weeks ago. They must have a little lack of sensitivity to I? We're going to have a police cut, we're going to do speed today. But they must realise they have that many people on that resource when they've recently been called out for not turning up. That just really annoyed me. Shouldn't do, should it? I should go, oh, everyone shouldn't speed.
3: <laughs> Savers, no, true. No, n- no one should be. But you have got a point. They're lane and wait just to ah. catch you speed, and you're thinking there's more important crimes. To-.
1: The bits of road they do it on, like that piece of road, is genuinely you know dry, straightforward dual carriageway, and it's fifty. Yeah. And it's like the first slot you've got to go any faster. It's a dual carriage. It Used to be seventy. It's become fifty, and it's like uh, they
3: want it twenty-five next. Oh God, I don't know. I shouldn't moan about that, but I'm, uh, I'm being old blue. Anyway. I was going to say, one of the other things that must really wind you up, though, because you have experienced this, and I know firsthand you've experienced <laughs> this, is that talk about those cars that overtake you on the A11 going down, and then, you know, one such car would then ring you and say, have I just passed you? <laughs> and he went... Are you in that Mitsubishi in front of me? Yeah, that's me. That was me. I, I was actually driving to the airport. So I just thought I'd rub it into Dale that you're about to tip a wagon off and there's me off to Greece for two weeks. I don't, think I don't think he appreciated that one.
1: I do remember that, yeah. <laughs> so just before we turn the mics on, you came up with a story about, you know, a, a, you gave an example of attitude because it's always the driver's fault, you said. Oh, everything's
2: always the driver's fault. I remember a scenario a few years ago I was tipping at Yarmouth, mm-hmm. and I was—I wanted to get loaded, ready for the next morning, so I'd get back to Yarmouth, park up, so I'd be in front of the queue, so it keeps my day right, and the next farmer on my list, right, ring him up, hi there, yeah, and I'd already spoken to him earlier in the day, giving him a rough idea what time I'm going to be there. Which is going to be four o'clock. It going to be four o'clock, yeah, and it was showery rain, opened the boat, shut the boat, the yeah. normal things held up, so I rang the farmer, That'd be said, God, that bit. Yeah, I'm really sorry. I'm going to be late. It's going to be more like five to half past. And he's like, oh, right. They say, yeah, yeah, right, okay. Well, uh, you need to be here by half past four. I said, well, apologise. But unfortunately, the problems that we've had at the docks have put me behind. Well, that's not a me problem. <laughs> that's what what it is. I said, sorry? Yeah, that's well, not a me problem. You need to be here by half four. Or we can't load you. I said, okay, not a problem. But thank you. I'll be in touch. That's very polite. Yeah, until I hung up. What did you think? What did I think? I um, thought... Nicely. I thought, right, thanks ever so much. You've really put me... See, one problem like that can affect the whole week. Yeah. A domino effect. And if you're running a fleet of lorries, it's not just that one lorry that's had that problem. You could now affect three or four of the lorries that you've got
1: now, if the guy had said look i really unfortunately can't be here after yeah, because i've got whatever whatever reason yeah. it is i can't do it there's a much nicer delivery than doesn't sound like a me problem it yeah. sounds slightly arrogant stroke cocky mm, stroke not, rude not stroke you're a piece of turd i'm going to stand so on i
2: you. went through my list of where i had to go next yeah. and i bypassed this particular farm and went to the next one phoned the number explained the problem explained I'm early, is there any chance I can get loaded? And he said, of course I can, my boy, that'll be absolutely fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
2: So headed that way, got loaded, no problem, back to Yarmouth in the time scale I needed, absolutely fine. Next morning, the first farmer that wouldn't load me Mm because it wasn't a a me problem, rang me up wanted to know where I was, Mm -hmm. when I was going to get there. So this was on a Friday morning, I said, yeah, I'll see you Tuesday morning about 10, 11 o'clock time. He said, well, you're meant to be be here, you're meant to be doing this, I need my sheds cleared, I need my sheds emptied, I've got to get them all sorted out. I said, well, with the greatest respect, that's not a me problem. That went down well, I expect. And I turned up on the Tuesday, and they bent over
1: backwards. Oh, well, that's good. Got me loaded, got one of my other lorries loaded, everything went well. I th- I've had experiences of farmers when someone actually stands up and uses exactly the same language back to them, or just goes, actually, I'm a human being as well, have said, never send that man on my farm again, how dare he? And it's like, well, he dare, because actually you are rude, and you don't realise you're being rude, but because it's a driver, you yeah. think, yes. Yeah. Those little things can be
2: quite... Stressful, and if you know, I'm I'm quite blunt. Everyone knows Dale is blunt. Alright, that's fine.
1: But that's, yeah, but you're am polite. I blunt or am I honest? No, you're polite. You know, I say it. It's about rudeness, isn't it? It's about mutual respect. Yeah. And yes, you can be. Everyone can be blunt. I'm blunt, as the podcast will confirm. But I'm not intentionally there to be rude. No. Well, and my mate Scott says I'm rude about Essex all the time, but I can't help that. <laughs> that's another another week, Scott. Yeah. So. I find that aspect is still quite prevalent. There's still a, yeah, l- a large yeah, number yeah. of people who kind of treat certain people in the industry yeah. with a, a level of disrespect.
2: But I think the grower and also the mills and the molsters need to understand how important these lorries are. Because with all the problems we've got and that we've touched on already with what's going to happen later in the year and the volume of product that needs moving and so on and so forth, there's still one key factor in making everything happen, and that's the haulier. And if that haulier keeps having problems, keeps having issues that they've got to address, costing them more time, more money, then there's gonna be less lorries because people won't stick up.
1: Some sites are easy to tip at and some are a little bit complex. I mean, do you think time slots work better than just sort of Yes and no, Mm -hmm. yes and no,
2: because the day is so varied. Things, my God, I've got on really well today. And then, oh, my next loads of time slot, and I can't get in till 2 o'clock. But it's 12 o'clock. Now what am I going to do? So it holds
1: things up, but you can't go in early. An element of there's bound to be someone late. See, if you give some people the opportunity to have a time slot, to have some authority, they take the authority, and that's it, you can't get in after time. Whereas if they go, well, actually, two or three guys are behind with us, like it's the same grade stuff, actually, we probably can fit you in. A large slice of flexibility, I think, goes a very long way. Invariably, you put time slots in, you end up with the man behind the post office counter who goes, no, because he can say no. Yeah,
2: which goes with way bridges
1: yeah that's the point (laughs) that is a thing I mean all people that
2: have had any experience going in all types of places with the Weybridge the first thing you're met by
1: is a grumpy Weybridge operative it ruins the whole experience straight away well the opportunity to be snipe at them is there and you have to just be polite because you think no he'll hold me up he'll be awkward I'm going to just have to eat this aren't I we run a number of stores, and we encourage... I mean, anyone who's here at Aylesham doesn't get away with being rude because I'm out there, and I'm on the uh, get them through, get them through, get them through. Same at Cantley, but some yeah. of our outside stores, um, we've, most of them are well-experienced and understand the dynamic of we say yes. If we possibly can, yeah, yeah we can squeeze that in. Yet yeah, There's a point at 9.30 at night on a harvest when, no, uh, we're supposed to finish. Yeah. We are going to go home and go to bed, and the dryer's going to work all night to make space for the morning, so no. But we have got one or two outside stores run, run by farms, most of them, as I said, good, who have had moments of utter moronicness, you know, like, no, oh, I own farm vehicles only, or you know, just obnoxious, rude, tired, whatever you want to call it, where they just can't see beyond their own problem. Mm. And they can't see, actually, if I just was able to tip that guy over there, he would be gone, and that would be great. And it encourages then the next
2: day to be easier, and so and then it's easier well, for the driver. It's easier for and the he planning. it comes in once,
1: and and then if the people get on with you, if you think he looked after me, I'll look after him. Would you mind shifting something across from there to there? No, I don't mind one bit, mate. Yeah, I'll I mean, do that. Mostly, issues would be
2: harvest, yeah, loading a boat. Because yeah. of how loading a boat is affected by yeah. volume of traffic. I mean, I know one of the big guys that deals with boats, they've said, you know, this is what you've got over these amount of days, mm. spread it. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but.
1: Yeah, that works. It, yeah, it In the yeah. End, Our and intake and harvest works like that. Mm. It's not like, you know, we got a lot, 130,000 tons to come into stores at harvest time. And we just go, yep, yeah, when it's ready, bring it. And But variably, you've got the same product being cut on the same day. And the quicker you take it, you'll end up with more of the same product going in the same intake pits, which reduces your chances of varieties mixing and all of the disciplines you have to go through to clean everything out. It's easier to just go, right, let's finish the winter barley. Go, 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 go. The other thing with places tipping late, uh,
2: all drivers are on a taco, so they can't work that silly late anyway. No. So that helps. That's good. Um, And again, tachograph issues, um, that's quite a stressful point for people. Because I think if you were to do an exam on all lorry drivers, they'd be lucky to get 25 to 30% of the questions right on a tachograph.
1: What well, do you mean, the questions being what? Where were you? Yeah,
2: yeah, well, no, no, as in the rules and the regulations. Okay. And that's a big issue. That panics people. Excuse my dimness, right? Like, so that tachograph, I mean, speed? You do get overspeed, but not very often. It's more of the times you've had your break, your driving time. What time you started? Your working time directive. When have you had your 15 minutes before six hours, and so on and so forth. All these rules that are put onto a driver. Again, going back to a new driver, immediately need to learn all these rules, and then it's all portrayed if you don't, and you get pulled, and it's this, and it's that, and then there's vehicle maintenance, and have you done your walk around
1: checks? Those are great disciplines, but you're right. Yeah. I can see that being a worry for yeah. some. Yeah, yeah, no, mind indeed. blowing
2: for some people.
1: Yeah. yeah. Once you've learnt that off by heart, you get into a routine. Yeah, you get
2: into a routine. There's lots of technology now to help you do it as well.
1: So back to this main point, the shortage of wagons, shortage of drivers. When's that going to be a problem? I mean, I guess after the sugar beet season in Norfolk, it's not going to be a problem until harvest, I suppose, is it? There's a problem now with the volume of product that's getting
2: moved and there's lorries that have just stood in yards doing nothing.
1: Yeah, my point so, being, the pro- when will, I mean, I'm going to be really selfish here. When are we going to be going like, can we have a lorry? And you're going to go, no chance, mate, not till next Wednesday. Well, that comes sooner than you think. Ah, now, is everybody listening to that? So, I mean, that instantly means increased haulage rates. Since harvest, I've been
2: talking with loads of people every day, and it's got to change, its what everyone says. It's got to change, it's got to change, it's got to change. We thought it would change... December. We thought it would change January. Yeah, yeah. We thought it was good. Well, you can't go much more. I mean, and then you start talking about these windows of opportunity. The volume to be moved in the smaller window is well, the window yeah, getting smaller. Come, so what's got to be moved in the smaller is getting greater per day.
1: Do you know what? Actually, none of our futures have moved at all. No. And we're going to be tendering a whole lot more in May. So there'll be sixty odd 70,000 tonnes in our stores to be moved in May, June, July. And we got a large slice of our molten valley also not moved. We've also got a load of wheat bought from farm. We didn't sell to consumers at discounted futures for April, May, June or March. And we are going to end up putting wheat into store, aren't we? That's what we're doing now. We're beginning to take it into store, which is all going to be tendered. You're right. There is going to be a problem with the volume that's got to move May, June, July. Definitely. 100%.
2: And I know in listening to your podcast that there's going to be a certain amount of carry, but how many farmers can actually Uh, hold it? Yeah. How many can actually keep that? Because the farmer's business is growing and growing commodities, and then they have to harvest the commodities and put them in the store. All what you just said, as well as farmers going, hang on a minute, I've got a crop growing in the field that I need somewhere to put it, and I've got a shed, but it's already full. full." Now...
1: Where's it going to go? Yeah. And who's going to move it? At the moment, it's not going to go out in a boat, and it'll go into a straw somewhere. You know, we might be half. Mind you, we're going to need to be half full before harvest because there's such a small crop coming next year, which leads on to there won't be that much m- to move next year, except there will be probably a million and a half to two million tons a week carried from one year to the next. Yeah, I mean but,
2: riding round, crops look pretty good.
1: What in do Norfolk? Good, in Norfolk? In Norfolk? Yeah up into other parts of the country and we do get the occasional yeah. listener elsewhere they'll be saying no so you start taking this bigger picture mm-hmm.
2: and all these little factors roll them into one factor and there is that needs to be moved mm-hmm. so all your futures get to be moved mm-hmm. may june and then the livestock job picks up and then there's more product which would be nice yeah more products now got to be going into mills yeah which that all then rolls into Harvest and stores that need to be emptied for the new... So there's this huge tonnage yeah, with a limited amount of trucks to do it. And if it carries on as it is at the moment, there'll be trucks that'll go, I'm done.
3: Less vehicles, big problem. Okay. Also, just touching on that, if you've got less vehicles, you've got more tonnage to move, you've got a lesser space of time to do it in, and you did ask it just a little while ago, what does that then do to the rates rates that's a, another interesting one so
2: everyone wants more they always want more that's human nature isn't it rates are what they are but if you've now got changes in where the product goes mm-hmm. in i.e right we've got a huge amount of tonnage we're going to open for longer mm-hmm. that's fine but we're up against drivers with driving rules Yep. Yeah. so right. now do you split the driving hours amongst two drivers. Do you? Where do you find the drivers? Mm-hmm. And if you're doing that, and you're, the rates are they something that need to be looked at yeah, to encourage? The, the, is it because the rates market traditionally
1: forces dictate they've been lower than they should be for too long? They've markedly moved over a period of three years since the driver shortage. Yeah, because people from this industry could go and suddenly earn a lot of money. I assume the salaries have come back down just a bit less than they were in that peak, but it's still there's still an opportunity for people to become a driver and earn a decent living, yep. isn't there? Yep. It's just whether they can handle it. Yeah.
2: There's so many things, and but there's just one thing that is most important, is everything that's produced has to be moved by road, by lorry. Yeah. And we need to look after the lorries, the hauliers, especially in times like this. I mean, they're unprecedented. It's... You were talking. I listened to your podcast on the way over this morning. From and you know all time lows. It's that wrong time of year as well, being January, February. But my main concern is, it's bad now. Could it be turned on its head and be bad when there's lots to do?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's up to. Well, market forces dictate that, that we'll have to find a way, won't we? Because we always do. And yeah, we'll don't. find a way. Yeah. Let's finish on a thought because we, when you we first came in, I started talking about an electric lorry. It's one of the most that's, that's got an electric lorry. The range is what, 130? Yeah, it's miles? not
2: great. The range isn't great. They're heavier. Yeah. So that alone, going back, so if haulers are encouraged to do this, yeah, and it's, so it's all renewable and it can have all these, that's fine. But you're carrying two ton less because the vehicle's a lot heavier. Yeah. Should... So are there going to be rates for electric vehicles and rates for the traditional vehicles?
1: Well, you've got basic costs of you know the tyres are going to wear out with heavy. Same. Well, yeah, it's the same. The drivers, same. Yeah, the, all of those insurance, no doubt, the yeah. same. Possibly more. Who Possibly knows? more. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, but more importantly, 150 miles ain't going to cut no. it, is it? Because no. you're going to no. get there, but you ain't going to get home. And you, how long does it yeah. take to charge it?
2: I don't actually know. I haven't looked into it because I mean, at the moment, I would imagine it's still. A relatively new concept, which is going to receive a well, lot of...
1: government sources uh, yeah. tell us that they're put, having a whole load of new uh, electric charging points that are much faster, so electric drivers won't have to queue. That's like, you know... Well, I like the idea.
2: You know, if it can be... It can do a proper day's work. I like it. It's like going back in time, isn't it? The old milkman, he had his electric milk cart and his recyclable bottles that he went around doing. I yeah, we've had true. it in the past... There's no reason why we can't have it with modern technology in the future, but it's just how it's done.
1: That's true. It's just the current model clearly isn't going to work. You've got the Labour Party have just gone back on their green initiative in politics, which is, you know, inevitable thing. The reality of the greenness of an electric car is really being questioned. You know, the amount of water to make a tonne of whatever the stuff is, titanium, is it not? Cobalt. Cobalt, lithium, I can't remember any. Yeah, the amount of energy that goes into producing, you know, electric vehicles. And we heard a story of a guy who bought an SUV for his farm and he drove across a field and a flint came up and punctured the battery and he was given an £18,000 bill to replace his battery and they said, what did you do? He said, I drove across a field. They said, oh, you can't do that. Well, what's the point? It doesn't work, does it? There's just absolutely no way that that is the future in its current form. And as I say, all governments, But I mean, if the Labour Party have just done a massive U-turn in front of everybody, that's not great. But the, I don't think anyone's any better. You know, I always hit the Tories every week because they're so moronic and created such a mess. But I can't see the other lot doing any different. And everybody's chasing this green, it's all pretending. We're all pretending that we're going to be saving the planet. And reality is, everyone's too greedy. And the only way around it is, I don't know. Much, much bigger taxes. And you've got buses charging £2 per trip now in the county, which is brilliant. All the buses are suddenly full. So there you go. There's the good example of of how to save the day. But, yeah, I can't see the haulage industry in any way
3: being able to cope with an 150-mile range on a vehicle. Just touching on the amount of charge, 150 miles. So I've got uh, Mitsubishi Outlander FEV. So part petrol, part electric. So, yeah, every night, charge it up, lovely job. In the summer, I can get anywhere between 25 and 30 miles out of it. What happens when it turns cold? So my battery will only charge up to 8, 9, 10. So if it's 150 miles, let's say, during the summer, that then could then drop to at least, what, 110, 120 in the winter.
2: Yeah, which then that's not a lot of good, really, is it? Or you need more of them, which is another problem. Because then you go back to the same problem that we're having at the moment, even with the traditional trucks, driver's availability and so on and so forth. So it's an interesting one. I'm watching it. I find it very interesting, but I'm yet to see it as being a a benefit to us.
1: Right. I think with that happy thought, the planet ain't going to be saved this week. I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to say, Dale, thank you very much for coming in. We've got to take your picture yet, by the way. You're going to be... Coverable, well, yeah i don't know how you're going to cope with the fame after this no thank you so much for coming in i really appreciate it and i hope uh, it's been an enjoyable experience for you yeah no problem thanks very much for having us and
2: it's nice to be able to highlight some of the bits and pieces that's going on so hopefully some of the
3: growers will hear what we're up against and try and work with us maybe a bit more cool thank you just a touch of one just, just said there thanks there for coming in thanks for all the work that you do for us we really do appreciate it and yeah just don't say no.
0: Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get updates on new episodes and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We are at Dewing Grain. Alternatively, you can call us on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk.